Hello everyone, my name is Cliff Duvinois, and after 20 years I've returned to my native Michigan and in my quest to reconnect with our great state, I want to talk to the leaders that are behind Michigan's top destinations. I'm going to learn more about them and the great experiences they and their team provide all of us Michiganders, and perhaps I'll learn a few things along the way. Welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cliff Duvinois, and today we're going to be taking another trip south, showing Detroit a little bit of love, and we're going to be talking about Belle Isle with the Chief of Parks and Recreation for the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. That's a mouthful. Please welcome to the show, Ron Olson. Ron, how are you? Good. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for being on the show today. Really do appreciate it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Where did you grow up? Well, I uh, grew up in Minnesota, around them in Minneapolis, actually, and went to high school in Bloomington, Minnesota, and then worked for a parks, regional park system and a little bit for the Minneapolis Park Board, and then went on to, I went to undergrad at University of Minnesota and then went on to grad school at Indiana University and worked for a county there and then worked in Maryland and then in Michigan and for the city of Ann Arbor and now for the state of Michigan. So it sounds like you've kind of had your your fingers in the you know parks and, and recreation for a long time. Is there is there something about it that's attracted you to to work in this in this industry? Yeah, I uh, we were always playing, you know, I did played a lot of sports and we had we did a lot of outdoor recreation. You know, we had a place on a, a summer place on a lake near the north of the Twin Cities, and you know, did a lot of fishing and water skiing and boating and this and that. And then we go to northern Minnesota in the wilderness and spend some time up there and different things. And so I have a lot of kind of angles from very active sports to doing outdoor things. So. It, kind of grew up with a lot of variety of experiences in that regard. So thought that this would be a good career path. And there was a program for Parks and Recreation Administration at the University of Minnesota and and went through that and went on from there. Now, I know you you said you, you went from Minnesota to Indiana. I believe you mentioned Maryland in there and then finally into Michigan. What was it that brought you to Michigan? Well, the I was, you know, just I had worked 11 years for the city of Rockville, Maryland, and just was kind of thinking about coming back towards the Midwest. And one thing led to another and the job in Ann Arbor. And Ann Arbor had an interesting reputation, a very good quality of life and very supportive of, of, of that sort of thing. And so applied for the job and was successful and went there and spent worked for the city for over 20 years doing parks and recreation. And I became, I was an interim city administrator twice and then what did parks and rec for a while, a couple few years and was associate city administrator as well. So I got involved in a little wider berth of, of municipal uh, parks and rec, but also other municipal services. Nice. And I know today we're going to be talking about, and there's probably a lot that falls under your purview, but I wanted to talk to you specifically about Bell Island. Why don't you, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what Bell Island is today? Well, Bell Isle Park was created in the late 1800s. It's an island park. It's just under a thousand acres in size. 
It's very iconic. It has many historic buildings on it. It has a, a very classic conservatory. It has one of the first public aquariums in the United States. It has a what's called a casino, which is a basically a social gathering hall that was all of which were built in the early 1900s, very classic structures. The, the design of the park was inspired by Frederick Law Olmsted back in many, many years ago, back in the early 1900s and when he was in his heyday and the planning of the park kind of took on a few gyrations and the philanthropist donated the fountain and that was created some years later. And, and then there was a golf course there and, and athletic fields and things emerged over time. There's a unique natural area on the, in the park that has some specimen trees, many of which that would rival any of the large specimen trees you would find anywhere in the state of Michigan. Sure. And so it really is a unique landscape. It has uh, very active areas. And of course, it's surrounded by water. And the, the channel that the freighters go on that pass through the Great Lakes pass by there. And of course, across the water is Canada. And then on the other side is the mainland of the city of Detroit. Well, the oldest rowing club in the United States is is on the island that utilizes through a lease a, a building there that was once kind of a boat club facility and and many other picnic shelters and gathering spots and things like that a nice beach that's there and and I mentioned the golf course and there's actually two there's one on there that's no longer operating and then one a small learning golf course that continues to operate and we have many allies that work with us and we have contractors that we have concession bidders and then the Belle Isle Conservancy plays a strong role and they operate the aquarium under a lease agreement with us as does I mentioned the rowing club that leases that historic boat club building but all in all it has you know it's a very iconic very treasured gem it obviously with all of that said we became involved in it through a lease arrangement back in 2014. Thir it was discussed in 2013, and we became operating it for an extended period of time, a 30-year lease with optional years after that. And this was during the time when the city went through its bankruptcy situation. And we were asked by the then governor and, and city officials there was a discussion about what the state could do to help the city. And one of them was we could help manage a park of that size because we had, we have a hundred and over a hundred state parks. And so that became a reality, although we were already managing Millican State Park on the riverfront down off of Atwater Street. We've been doing that since the early, since 2003. So we've had experience working in the city of Detroit. So that's, you know, obviously the other one is the big gateway bridge, the MacArthur Bridge, which is iconic in its own right. And we do have partnerships with the, in the state with a MDOT, Michigan Department of Transportation, and then the Michigan State Police assists along with our DNR conservation officers to provide uh, public safety on the park. And that helped out the city because then they could 
focus the their policing attention into the into the Detroit neighborhoods and so forth. And that's the way, in a nutshell, how the this all kind of uh, fits together and what the right. the iconic nature of the park. Now, it's my understanding, if I read this correctly, that Belle Isle is actually the the largest island park in the U.S. Yep, I believe that is correct. Excellent. Now, with regards to the park, I'd like to go back and talk about a little bit about the history of Belle Isle. So it was my understanding that that at one point in time, way back in the early days, that a farmer used to keep his pigs on Belle Isle, and that's how the whole thing got started? That's what, that's my understanding, yes. And it's got a, there's a lot of historical aspects to it, but that that is one way back when, and but... And then the park has been utilized for a variety of things over time. But all in all, it once the thing transformed itself into a park and was established in the eight, late 1800s, it has evolved as a public park over that period of time and the facilities that were added and, and enriched the opportunities there. And obviously, one thing I didn't mention is that if you look at the old photographs the the there was a canal system that was created through the park to create opportunities for canoeing and and today it's used heavily by kayakers and other forms of of non-motorized conveyances but back in the day you can see old photographs of people canoeing and trekking through the uh, waterway as well which kind of created that kind of unique atmosphere and then they utilized a couple of the inland lakes on the park as well. With regards to, and it seems like Belle Isle has a lot of outdoor activities and, and kayaking being amongst them. But I also saw that you have snow equipment for rental. What kind of snow sports do you have there? Well, we had attempted to offer through a concession the opportunity for cross-country skiing and that sort of thing. The The issue is, of course, the snow is up and down that we get in the southern part of the state. <clears throat> so those kinds of activities come and go, and it's difficult to sustain them. The people do ice skate on things like that on the canals. We don't have a robust, we don't really have a ice skating rental and things like that at this point. But part of that is because of the 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 up and down of the weather patterns has made those kinds of things uh, a little bit difficult because of safety, because of the ice thickness and things like that. But sure. but it is it is utilized. People come out there and do all kinds of things in the winter time when the uh, when the snow is is proper for the kinds of activities they may want to do. Sure, sure. The when when because I know that you said that that the, the, the park area, is, it was converted in, in the 1800s. What was the, what was the decision to start turning Belle Isle into a park? Well, I, the best I can say is I think the leaders of the city and the community itself and the, 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 the city of Detroit was in a, you know, starting to grow at that time. And I think people realized that this was a pretty unique landscape. And like many big cities, Frederick Law Homestead was a visionary and he was engaged to some extent 
to provide that vision here, just like he has in many of the larger urban communities around the country, where he had a hand in some of the iconic park developments, like, you know, the Boston Commons and things like that, Central Park in New York, and things like that. And I think, liking to that, there's a whole now a association that's framed around the Olmstead Parks group and people that want to keep the the legacy, <clears throat> excuse me, his legacy alive because he was such a visionary at the time. And Frederick Law, <clears throat> excuse me, Olmsted believed in at that time sustainability, and uh, he was very forward thinking in that regard. So he his model was to not build amenities that couldn't be sustained over time. And that's why Belle Isle has a large natural area and a lot of open space. Although some of the buildings that were built later on that uh, were larger facilities were not part of the, his original vision. But they, while they complemented it, but it was his, his, his building block was really nice landscapes and sustainable outdoor recreational experience space. So how many people then do you have that come out and, and visit the visit Belle Isle? Well, right now we're, this past year, we will, should finish. We had had a record of 4.1 million visitors. And now according to our statistics, we do take car counts and extrapolate the numbers, but it looks like we'll surpass 4.2 million visitors. And this is as far as we have done calculations, the second largest visited state park, uh, if you will, it's a Belle Isle Park, but managed as a state park in the country. And uh, Niagara Falls State Park, Niagara Falls has more visitation than Belle Isle, but it's it's clearly one of the, it's clearly number, number two. Nice, nice. And so for people that are interested in coming to Belle Isle, what would be what would be like three things that you would recommend that people do when they come there? Well, first of all, it, a recreation passport is needed and required. So to secure that, and that residents of the state can do that when they register their vehicles when it comes up for renewal. And we urge people to do that. You can acquire one at the park, but it's simpler to do it when you register your car, it's $12. And that covers, you can have access to all state parks and boat launches for a whole year for that. Second of all, when you come on there, I would urge people to, to drive around the perimeter road. The speed limit is 25 and to take your time and just to kind of experience the entire landscape and take a rim ride road around. It's about just under six mile road ride. Or if you have a bicycle to park your car and unload your bike and ride it, which it gives you a little more closer feel for what's going on in the park. And then once you do that and see what's the variety of landscapes, then to drive up Rue, which is one of the middle of the middle roads that bisect the park from the basically from east to west, and drive up to the or, or ride your bike up to the conservatory and the aquarium. And during the daytime, you can visit. Right now, they're closed because of the COVID. But in normal times, the aquarium is open to find hours. And the 
there's formal gardens to the west of the conservatory, but we really urge people to go take a look at that and perhaps go inside the conservatory because it is pretty spectacular, as well as the aquarium, which is, you know, is a very iconic architectural thing with, with a very cool, unique tile. The building itself is something to marvel at, let alone the fish that are in there. And then the new feature that's been added is the Old Off Garden, which has been added just to the west of the formal garden, the conservatory. And that just was planted this past fall, or this fall, I should say early, late summer, fall. And that was designed by a, a world famous architect, Mr. Oldoff, and he did the design, the landscape of the High Line in New York and many other iconic horticultural displays. And so this garden was designed by him and it was funded and that by donation and it has, it has a sustainable maintenance funding and that's starting to take shape. So people would want to certainly take a look at it. And then during the the other feature would be to take a look at the fountain, as well as the, the casino building, which is unique in of itself, but it's not really a place where people go in and out of. It's used for people's gatherings. It's kind of the people's gathering spot where they can rent it for birthday parties, weddings, and graduation parties. And it's a very iconic kind of historic tradition for many people that reside in the city of Detroit to hold their important ceremonies and things like that in that facility. So that's what we would recommend. Sounds like a lot, but we would recommend a lot of times people go to a spot and don't realize the dynamics. And then people like to see things. There's a bald eagle that nests on the island and there's variety. There's white-tailed deer and other things in the wooded area. And there's some nature paths to go down. So it's kind of, once you figure that out, you can decide what what, what kinds of things that you're interested in? Sure thing. And I know that, you know, what right now with all the restrictions that are going on with COVID, talk to us a little bit about what are, what are some of the things that, that you and your staff have put into place to make sure that people can, can come and enjoy Belle Isle, but at the same point in time, make sure that they're safe. Well, we, we reopened uh, all of the bathrooms. Of course, as the fall approaches us now, that, they're open in the, in the summer, most of them, and they will close once we get a little further into the fall. And then there's a indoor bathroom, heated one, adjacent to the casino building on its west side. But all of those are clean to CDC guidelines, and you have to mask up to go inside of them. And But we we've keep encouraging and we put up signs to have people come and enjoy yourself, but make sure you socially distance. And that if you do have a gathering, a permitted event, there's only, it's restricted to less than a hundred people based on that. We follow the orders, executive orders and the health orders from the uh, state. And so that we have people in compliance and, and we just ask people to be patient, be respectful of other people's space, but come and enjoy yourself. But but to make sure that you pay attention to if you're in a, a family group or people that you're in the same household or what have you, that in your cluster together, that's one thing. But when you engage with other people, we, we're asking 
people to, to really practice the six foot minimum uh, separation distance and to mask up wherever appropriate. Sure thing. And if anybody uh, wants to learn more about Belle Isle or follow what it is that you're doing online, what would be the best way for them to do that? There's a website for Belle Isle Park. You just go on the DNR and just Google Belle Isle Park, Michigan DNR, and you can, it'll prompt you there and you can learn about the park. They, we have an advisory committee called the Belle Isle Adv- Advisory Committee, and there's the records of their meetings, agendas, and when they meet and records and things like that, if people are interested in more detailed things. and uh, But that's a good way to get a map and you can see images of the park. And there's some, there's a couple of, there's at least one drone video that's pretty good that gives you in a couple minutes, gives you a, a real good thumbnail of what's on the park if you've never been there. And it's, it, it's worth uh, taking a look at. Yeah, I know exactly what video you're talking about. I, I watched it before the interview and it's really well done. So for our audience, we'll make sure that we have all those links in the show notes down below. Ron, it's been, it's been great having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Yeah, and we appreciate it. And we hope that people have a chance to go out and take a look. If you haven't been there in a long time and you grew up in Detroit and went somewhere else and said, I remember going there as a kid. Well, we want you to come back and take a look. And uh, And your kids, we're always looking for people to help out and volunteerism. And so there's a way to engage in lots of ways with uh, Bella. So, all right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ron. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get new episode announcements. You'll get all kinds of great behind the scenes information on upcoming guests. Plus, you'll receive special offers from our guests and partners that you can only get through the email newsletter. Subscribing is quick, easy, and best of all, it is free. Just go to callofleadership.com slash email, type in your email address, and you're done. Once again, that's callofleadership.com slash email. I'll catch you in the next episode.